Yo, what is up? Welcome to Ambitious. My name is Dylan Price. Today's guest is a rising stand-up comedian. He's an actor who currently plays Ma on CBS's Kevin Can Wait. He also co-hosts not one but two podcasts and is all around one of the most hilarious people in the world. Today's guest is the Chris Roach. Chris, how are you doing? Hey, what's up, Dylan? How you doing, buddy? I'm doing good, so thanks for coming on. And good, my pleasure. I want to kind of go back to the start. What um, led you to comedy, I guess, in the first place? Uh, comedy was, um, I guess it, I was just, I had a, I was trying to like conquer a, a public speaking fear. I was taking public speaking courses and it kind of led me to do an open mic one day. Very cool. So, yeah, once, once you get that first, uh, that first laugh, first real laugh, it's just, it's very, it's very addictive. I guess, uh, I guess I wasn't hugged enough or something. I don't know. I'm sure there's some psychological reason for it. But <laughs> So after you kind of realized this was the field you were going to go in, how did you pursue it? I pursued it head on. I, I started taking comedy classes. I was taking books. I was going to open mics. Then uh, about a year or two later, that led me to take acting classes. I just wanted to take acting classes and improv classes to become a better comedian. I fell in love with acting. And, you know... When I met Kevin, everything came, came together. It was just, I, all my comedy training and my acting training, just, it all came together for that one moment, uh, to, to uh, the, the one moment where he actually he walked into a comedy club and saw me. So uh, that was actually my next kind of question is how did you and Kevin kind of get together and how did the Kevin Can Wait come up and uh, the touring with him? Yeah, it was like on a, 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 like three or four years ago, I guess it was now, uh, it was a Wednesday night, I remember, um, not too far from my house on Long Island in Bohemia, there's a comedy club called McGuire's, and he walked in with a few people as I was about to walk on stage, so the timing of everything, of him and I meeting, and him and I, him, him getting to see me, I didn't meet him that night, uh, but I met him like a couple weeks later at another comedy club on Long Island, owned by the same people, Governors. Um, and then, you know, we, we, we hit it off, and I saw a breakdown for uh, his show on Actors Access. It's a website for actors. And I had my manager submit me for it, and I, I auditioned for two of the parts, and and uh, they called me in, which was pretty uh, one of the most amazing moments of my life, getting that phone call. And now, how did the touring with him come about? Um, well, it was season one. He had said to me on set that he was thinking about using me as his opener. And I said, yeah, sure. I said, I'll, I'll you know, I'll, I'll do whatever you want me to do, whatever you don't, whatever, or whatever you do not want me to do. I said, uh, I'll keep it very clean because I know he's a very, he's a very clean comedian. I could be on, I could be a little edgy sometimes. So I should, you know, just watch the, watch the F-bombs, so to speak. And uh, we, he liked, he thought our styles really worked good together. He asked me, he kept asking me to come on uh, different shows with him. And next thing I know, his manager's calling me and like throwing like, you know, a whole bunch of dates at me. I was, I was thrilled. Yeah, so the kind of way, I guess, other than watching Kevin Can Wait, I found out about you was 
I went to the Resorts World Epicenter show um, with Kevin James, and you were the opener. And I have to say, I went to, I believe, Kevin Hart's show last year, and I have not laughed at an opener as hard as I laughed at your set. It was absolutely hilarious. And it was almost, I hate to take a knock at Kevin, but it was almost like going from laughing so hard at you, and then it was like a transition. And I was like, dang, I kind of wanted to listen to Chris's set a little longer. <laughs> well, I gotta tell you, in stand-up comedy, uh, you know, when they give you like 15 minutes, it's easy to take all your your heavy hit material and throw it at those 15 minutes. The, 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 the trick is to, to to be able to to last for an hour to make people laugh like that for an hour. That's that's not easy. Um, but uh, I, I learn a lot from watching Kevin. He's taught me a lot, and he's really taken me under his wing. He's a re- really great guy. Very, very cool. So I want to ask next, how did your, um, the Comedians on Hockey and the Long Island podcast kind of come about? Comedians on Hockey, um, when I got on Kevin's show, a friend of mine said, you know, you should definitely do a podcast. You got a little bit of a name. Uh, and I I love hockey. And I have two comedian friends of mine that love hockey. So I'm like, yeah, you want to do a hockey podcast? They're like, yeah. And, uh, we came up with the name Comedians on Hockey, and we started uh, we just started jumping right into it. And, uh, you know, I, uh, I I went to a bunch of Ranger games since I've been on. I'm a lifelong Ranger fan. And when I got on Kevin's show, I got a publicist, and I asked the publicist to get me tickets to a game. And next thing I know, I'm sitting behind the Rangers bench. And uh, long story short, I became friends with some people like Ron Dugay and... Uh, uh, some former players, and, and they were able to not only call into my hockey show, but they were able to. They also hooked me up with other players that uh, they thought might be interested. And um, yeah, so the, the list of the list of people I, I, I've spoken to, former NHLers, just keeps growing. Like, for instance, I have Brian Prop from the Flyers uh, call in a few months back, and he actually got me hooked up with Dave Schultz from the who was a really notable uh, a notable uh, enforcer back in the day really tough dude um, so that was the comedians on hockey and the other uh, Long Island podcast my uh, the co-host Stephen Belanger we were we met through actually uh, the casting director of Kevin Kuwait actually introduced us because he knew that Stephen lived on Long Island and wanted to do a podcast so we met at a diner one day and we came up with this idea to cover topics about Long Island because there's so much history and scandal and you know, there's so much we, we, we came up with a list of topics to talk about with you know each, each podcast is a half hour and we came up with a list I'm not even kidding probably like uh, close to a hundred things that we could talk about so we like, we're like you know we got enough uh, content here to, to last a while and this is just Nassau and, and Suffolk I mean, you're, you're technically, technically Queens and Brooklyn is Long Island too, but there's so much, so much things to talk about in, um, in just not so much Suffolk County alone that will last us probably a couple of years. It's just incredible. So very, very cool. So I got to ask, with the comedians on hockey and everything, a couple of days ago was Game Seven. Who was your kind of horse in the race for the Stanley Cup Finals? With uh, I'd assume being kind of against Boston as a Rangers fan. Yeah, I think I was rooting for uh, St. Louis because they. 
94, you know, growing up a Ranger fan and and coming so close. Like the last time the Rangers was I mean, 1940 and uh, until 94. And I just thought, you know, it was such a crazy, crazy playoffs. Who would have thought that my pick for the Stanley Cup, I'm like, all right, you know. Tampa Bay was going to roll over everybody. Then when Tampa got knocked out, I'm like, all right. So, you know, definitely, definitely going to be Washington to win it. Then Washington got knocked out. And I'm thinking to myself, what, you know, I heard as I'm talking about Boston before. Uh, the playoffs done. I'm like Boston. I'm like, well, how are people? Why are people talking about Boston when you have Tampa Bay, Toronto, and uh, and Washington? And then it just it was really incredible how all these teams started getting knocked out. And then uh, my money was on Boston to win it. Even when it was Game Seven, going back to Boston, I'm like, I, I felt Boston was going to win it. But then again, the way these playoffs went, anything was possible. I, I never thought that a West Coast team would win it. It was a great series overall, even as a guy who... I'm a Rangers fan, but I'm not, like, heavily invested in hockey. I'm a little more invested in, like, baseball, basketball, ba- or uh, football. And um, kind of to watch as just a hockey fan as a whole. It was an awesome series, and it was awesome to see St. Louis finally uh, pull it off. Oh, yeah. But, you know, when I say West Coast, I mean, I guess I should say the, the Western Conference, because they're not really West Coast, but... I thought somebody from the, uh, definitely the Eastern Conference was going to win it. Yeah, that's Powerhouse Conference. I, that's oh man! <laughs> but but uh, you know, you look you look at uh, St. Louis one and now Toronto one. It's really an amazing uh, time in sports. Yeah, and uh, I don't know how much of an NBA fan you are, but did you get a chance to catch the uh, game six last night of uh, Toronto versus Golden State? No, I did not. I was never, um, I'm going on to a bridge. I don't want to lose you, but I was never uh, a big basketball fan. My first basketball game I went to was last year. I watched the Knicks play the Nets. I figured if I'm going to see my first game, why not see these two teams? And uh, I really enjoyed it. You know, I really enjoyed it. But I, I always follow New York sports. So I may not be the biggest basketball fan, but I may not be the biggest baseball fan. But I'm always following the New York teams, and when they make it to the playoffs, I'm always rooting for them. So, um, but hockey's hockey's a different animal for me. I'm, I'm a just I've been a diehard hockey fan since I'm a kid. I played it, I coached it, and uh, grew up a Ranger fan on Long Island, which wasn't easy back. You know, this back when the Islanders were winning the Stanley Cup, I was uh, it was a tough time. So I have to ask. As um, having many experiences as a stand-up comedian, what was your craziest stand-up kind of performance experience? My craziest stand-up comedy experience? Uh, one that sticks out was early on in my career. You know, we went to uh, Fort Dix, a bunch of us, to put on a comedy show for the troops who were about to be deployed for Iraq, but <laughs> one thing about comedy that's very important is that comedy can never, ever be a surprise. It just doesn't work. I've done these corporate gigs where, you know, the person who booked me goes, oh my God, this is going to be great. Nobody knows you're here. I'm like, nobody knows. No, no. <laughs> no, so I go, we go to Fort Dix, and I, I'm driving there. I'm thinking it's going to be like some Bob Hope thing where all these servicemen and women are in their uniforms.
uniforms and, uh, you know, which are going to make them laugh. We get there, and it's in like a giant gymnasium, and it's like probably about 200 servicemen and women that are in there playing in their civilian clothes, and they're drinking, and there's a DJ playing, and they're all mingling, walking around, and all of a sudden the DJ says, hey, we got a big surprise, everybody come on down, we got a comedy show, and it was like, it was just brutal, it was brutal, uh, you know, you get like 200 people chanting in unison, you suck, <laughs> you know, they did it, and, you know, they did it in a lighthearted way, but still it was like, wow. And I've, I've learned through experiences like that and other gigs that whenever somebody books me on a private show, I always say, number one, it cannot be a surprise. They have to know I'm going to be there. Uh, number two, sound system. I got to have a sound system. Don't give me a Mr. Microphone, you know. I've had people give me like karaoke machines. I'm like, no, you got to give me a professional rent. A professional sound system is not much. your career what is kind of your favorite place to perform where the atmosphere is awesome and the fans are digging everything there's a few rooms that i like to call blue collar rooms but you're just everyday people working at their jobs and they're looking forward to a night of laughter those blue collar rooms are my favorite and there's a few of them like uh mcguire's out here in bohemia long island uh stress factory in in uh, New Brunswick, New Jersey. There's another one. Um, what's that one called in, in Pennsylvania, in Bristol, Pennsylvania? Comedy Works in Bristol, Pennsylvania. They're just like, you know, just your regular everyday people, like blue collar, and it's it's a very intimate kind of room. Where, you know, I, I love theaters. Theaters are fun because everyone's facing forward. No one's eating. They don't talk. Um, so theaters are definitely, uh, uh, I love theater shows, but I love the blue collar rooms. The one that are intimate, like a one that seats about like less than 200. These little intimate rooms are fun. Something I've always wondered is, are some of your stories you tell on, um, when in your sets and everything, are they, did they really happen or are they, did happen or are they a little more exaggerated? So I've always been curious about that with kind of stand-up comedians as a whole. Yeah, well, that's the, that's the key is uh, you take a real-life situation and you kind of exaggerate and twist it and maybe add a few comments in there. And 
to make it into a bit. Like I have a, a bit where um, that really happened to me one time. I wanted to get a massage, and I thought they told me that Giovanna was giving me a massage, and all of a sudden Giovanni walked in. I was like, oh, well, I didn't ask for a man. <laughs> And uh, I wrote a whole like five minute bit on this, and, and it became almost like a signature bit of me going to a, a, a spa and get massaged by a man. And he's like, "Oh, you hold a lot of tension around your buttocks," and I'm like, "That's because I'm clenching them." Uh, <laughs> you know, it's like I had those little punchlines in there, but it's based on you know, based on a, a true experience. You know, the audience loves to see you. Uh, in, in uncomfortable situations and that was something that actually happened so if, if you could draw from real life experiences that that's the key one uh, part of your set that I kind of remember vividly was you were talking about a funeral procession almost and oh yeah yeah how did that come about that um I felt like, I just felt like especially on the Long Island Expressway I, I would at this one job I had, I would do a lot of driving. And there were several times when I'm driving all over Long Island, especially in the afternoons, and I'm like, wait a second, the guy in front of me, his hazards are flashing. No, wait a second, the guy in back of me, his hazards are flashing too. I'm in somebody's funeral procession. <laughs> and you're like, what do you do, you know? And I, I, thought, it'd be, I thought it'd be funny, you know, the, the, your instinct is to get out. But what if you didn't get out? Would it be, how, would it be funny if you just stayed in and went with it, you know? And I'm like, what, what if what if I get out? What if, what if I get out the expressway and and people still keep following me? That could happen. You know. <laughs> so I've always wondered: Do you have a story that comes to mind that you've always thought would be a good comedy bit, but you never thought to kind of tell it at a stand-up show? Um. Yeah, I mean, uh, there are comedians who are storytellers, and I like to go to these like open mics once in a while where I could try out a story and see if it gets any hits. I'm trying to think if there's a story, something that happened to me that I didn't tell. Um, you know, it was one time that uh, a friend of mine, he was, uh, we went to some, we went to Atlantic City and there was some kind of uh, adult movie expo going on that he wanted me to go with him. I'm like, oh, I'll go with you, check it out. The next thing you know, we're at a party, we're hanging out, and this one popular adult actress was, like, getting very naughty with me. She was, like, wanted to kiss me and stuff like that, and, you know, I had a few cocktails, and, you know, it's like, one thing leads to another. Next thing you know, I'm, I'm, I'm kissing with this girl, and then I'm, as I'm kissing, I'm wondering, uh, how many men have been in my mouth right now? You know, I was like... <laughs> No, not to get, I hope that's not too graphic for your show. But. Oh, no, it's fine. It pushed the limit, but uh, it's still very yeah. funny. Yeah, I pull, there, there were some other things that happened that night, which I won't say, but, uh, you know, because there was, like, there's some really unusual things going on, like, uh, like there was, like, a live uh, female, live girl-on-girl -girl sex show happening in the middle of the... Of, of the of the party, and I'm like, oh my god! And one of the girl, one of the I guess it was, they were paid to do that. They were actresses, and in the middle of the party, I had been drinking all day, and I and I yawned. And the one girl stopped what she was doing to the other girl, and she says, "Hey, I'm doing this over here, and you're yawning." I'm like, "Sorry, I, I you know, I've been up all day, and I've been drinking all day, and it was and it was a little warm in the room, you know." 
that's a that's a kind of thing you uh, you know. Oh, I should have asked. Are you eighteen, by the way? Oh uh, no, I'm not. <laughs> I shouldn't be. I shouldn't. I shouldn't be telling you these stories. What am I doing? <laughs> I hope most of my audience that tunes into this one is a little over over eighteen. <laughs> yes, this is. Uh, that's why I, I'm. I'm being careful with my choice of words, but <laughs> sorry about that. It's all good. Um. So uh, kind of to take it a different perspective a little, what drives you to kind of go further in comedy and acting and all your endeavors overall? What drives me? Uh, that's a good question. Um, well, I did start later in life. I started like at age 32. And I just, um, as far as comedy, what drives me, sometimes you could do the same joke over and over where you just can't listen to it anymore but there's nothing like a feeling of a new joke getting a laugh uh, that is, you know that's a, it's such a great feeling to write something and then see it get a big laugh it's really it's an addictive thing it really is so ultimately um, what is the I guess big kind of maybe even a little unrealistic goal for the future coming up Oh, my ultimate goal, probably like most comedians, is to get my own sitcom. And, you know, I was on a sitcom, which I'm very, very fortunate. Uh, and my ultimate goal is to star in my own sitcom one day. And also, I, I like to have a Netflix special in the next year or two as well. How close is the uh, Netflix special to being potentially in the works or something? Well, uh... It's just a matter of uh, what they're looking for. I have the material. I just got to film it. But it's a matter of, you know, some people will film a special and try to shop it around. I uh, I feel like I'm ready to, to, to film a special. But it's just, you know, you never know what this business is looking for. Sometimes they're like, all right, we're looking for this type of person or that type of person. Um, but, of course, it helps better if, if people know who you are, which is why I'm trying to grow my social media as much as I can. It's like, social media is like another job. Yeah, that's a... I, I signed up for this podcasting thing. I did not sign up for the social media thing. That's a whole different ballgame. Yeah, it's like, uh, how long have you been doing the podcast? Yeah. Uh, I've been doing this... I'm um, going on almost five months. Oh, cool, man. Very cool. Yeah, and the social media is not the... Uh, not the part I signed up for or I'm very great at, but I try my best. And uh, hopefully if you're yeah. listening to this, it comes out okay. <laughs> cool, man. Very cool. So my next question kind of is, what is one of your favorite accomplishments that you've achieved so far throughout your career? My favorite accomplishment so far? Um, I mean, opening for Kevin was like definitely an incredible experience and still is uh but getting on his show i would say is is definitely one of my more what you say memorable experiences or um yeah getting on the kevin show is definitely i mean it's everything i was working for to get on a show like that and you know you always try to like uh as a comedian you're like i want to do this i want to do that i want to go on this comedy festival and I got discovered in my own hometown, like you know, right the, the town next to my hometown, a town over. I got discovered like ten minutes from my house, and you know, here I am. I'm like I'm submitting things to try to get into the Montreal Comedy Festival, and 
uh, you know, trying to perform at certain clubs, and and then I ended up getting discovered ten minutes from my house, which is like you know, just it's unheard of. But so, what? Um, yeah, I'm speaking of Kevin can wait and everything. What is your favorite episode or kind of moment from shooting the show or watching the show that kind of comes out to mind? Uh, one of the greatest moments was the pilot episode. We filmed it. And it was my first scene I was in, and I had a, a, a line that I had to deliver, a punchline. And I, you know, we filmed the scene about like 10 times, and I kept hitting the note every time. I kept hitting the punchline, getting big laughs. And when they told us we had the scene, you know, automatically everybody stops moving. The actors go back to the dressing rooms to change. Uh, the camera people are setting up for the next scene. And I happened to be walking behind Kevin, who just stopped and to turn back to answer a question from somebody and he saw me and he gave me a fist bump and he said you nailed it bro and I was like that was an incredible incredible moment there uh, to have somebody like that such a big name in comedy to turn around and say that to you it was just like wow you know so although you said that Kevin James is your mentor is there any other comedians that you met and uh, connected with that have also kind of helped you out on your journey? Oh, there's been a, uh, a handful of comedians that have taken me under their wings along, uh, the wing along the way, and guys like uh, Steve Marshall, Chris Monty, Bobby Collins, um, you may know some of them, you may not, but these are guys that have helped me with Carrie Caravis, men and women, that have helped me out. Like Carrie Caravis was a big one, uh, Bobby Collins, Chris Monty, Steve Marshall, and, you know, uh, these, these guys from this, uh, couple of comedy class I took, Rich, Rich Walker, uh, John Trusen, guys that, like, really helped me out a lot, and I'll never forget. Now, something I've always wondered is, one of the two big things I hear, like, I've heard throughout, like, listening to stand-up comedians' journeys, is they can either go the Chicago kind of way where I believe there's a place up in Chicago where you can um, perform and do your stand-up, or they go, some of them that succeed the SNL way, or they get the discovered in a way like you did. Did any? Did you ever consider doing the SNL thing of trying out for SNL and trying to get on the show? I would love, it's a dream of mine to even host SNL. Um, I would love it, because I love sketch comedy. Um, in fact, somebody just sent me something about uh, possibly submitting for them that they want to see like three characters and a couple of sketches that you've written. So I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try. I love, you know, what I love that you see somebody like Leslie Jones on SNL. She's 50 years old. They gave somebody who's, I think, when she was like 48 years old, they hired her. You know, they used to be they hired mostly uh, people in their 20s, and um, they really change their hiring practices which is really cool giving other people chances that would absolutely be phenomenal to see for you i'd love to watch snl and see you on it because you are absolutely hilarious and that would be really cool to see oh. i hope and best of luck to you with uh submitting the audition and hopefully you get the spot because you definitely deserve it thanks dylan make sure you cut out that stuff about the uh, adult convention <laughs> <laughs> So my final final question I always ask my guests is, 
in the end, and it's kind of a big question, so you can take a second to think, what is the legacy you want to leave? Ooh, that's a deep one, buddy. <laughs> the legacy I want to leave. You know, I, I look at some of my heroes, like Jackie Gleason. Um, I would love to leave a legacy where I can make people laugh long after I'm gone and also have people that are related to me, grandnieces, grandnephews, grandchildren, whoever they are, to be very proud to say that uh, they were related to me. So ultimately, I would love to leave a legacy like a Jackie Gleason or Rodney Dangerfield to my heroes. Very, very cool. So Chris, I do want to give you the opportunity before I close out to kind of promote your socials or the podcast or anything where you can listen to them for my audience. Oh, cool. You can see catch me on uh, Instagram or uh, Twitter, and my handle is at Roach Comic. Um, the hockey podcast is called Comedians on Hockey, and the other podcast, Long Island Explained, where we can cover topics about Long Island, like the Amityville Horror House and stuff like that. Uh, all the stuff, everything could be found on iTunes. And um, my website is chrisroachlive.com. You can catch my comedy dates and what's going on, all that stuff. And if you ever need a place to film your Netflix special, there's always the Resorts World by me, and there's also Bethel Woods, where Woodstock oh, is yeah. always a great venue. I don't know if you've ever uh, performed there or been there yet. but uh, No, no, not yet, but I love, I love the Resorts. Nice place. <laughs> well, thank you so much, for Chris, for coming on the show. It was a lot of fun. And uh, I can't thank you enough for coming on. Best of luck with all your endeavors coming up. Hopefully I see you on SNL sometime soon. That would be awesome. Okay. Thanks. Thanks, buddy. I will talk to you. Once again, I want to thank Chris Roach for taking the time to come on Ambitious. It was a lot of fun. Reminder, you can listen to Ambitious wherever you stream podcasts. And be back here next weekend for another episode of Ambitious. And I will see you then. Have a good one.